All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out on a Tuesday. Man, uh, it's so frustrating to watch this team in a situation where they're really competing in a way that they haven't really done so this season, but now they're in the awkward situation where they don't have the talent. When uh, earlier in the season, it was the exact opposite. They had the talent, but they weren't competing. And uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff to dive into tonight. Uh, first of all, Raj, how you doing, man? Um, how's your week going so far? Doing well. Yeah, another frustrating one. I went, to, I went into this kind of expecting a loss, and I guess it doesn't make it any easier. It's still a little frustrating. They played hard. I, I'm still annoyed at a lot of the lineups and stuff like that, but I'm doing all right, man. How are you? How are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Um, you know, a lot of our guys, like, for instance, I'm sure a lot of people are frustrated that Dwight was not playing, mm-hmm. but DeAndre was. Uh, yeah. THT looked horrible, which is going to be one of the things that we're going to discuss in at <laughs> length today. But something to keep in mind is these guys have been locked in a hotel room for the last, what, like week at least? I, think, I don't know. Do you, do you happen to know off the top of your head which day Dwight and THT went into protocols? I don't, but it's strange to me that like THT came back and, well, I guess he's the younger guy. That makes some sense because he can come right in. I guess his conditioning can be better. I think it's weird that we didn't get Dwight Howard at all. Like, I think that is a little strange. I feel like that moved more towards something that they intended to do as the game uh, before the game in terms of just rotation and lineup. Uh, I don't think it was all just him coming back from, from just the one game, but yeah, I'm not, I don't remember exactly. I think they were out the full 10 days though. Right. I think, yeah, I think it was at least a week now. and a half probably. Right. You know, and, and I'll, I'll give you guys, I, I know, I know these examples don't hit home super well cause I'm not an NBA player, but I, I was I was trending really well in terms of the way I was feeling physically, and I I, I was uh, hitting a peak athletically that I hadn't hit in, hit in a long time a couple weeks ago. And then I got a bone bruise in my knee, and I had to take like a week off. You know, took like a solid week off. And when I came back, just the sheer amount of conditioning and touch and feel for the game that I had lost in just seven days was crazy to me. And it it took took me a solid week or two to get it back. And I remember I tweeted out when it happened, I said, I, I feel so bad for these COVID guys because they're not allowed to go to the practice facility. They're not al- allowed to leave and go to an LA fitness. Like, yeah, I suppose they can try to do some sort of cardio in their hotel room to maintain some, some semblance of basketball conditioning, but, and they might be able to dribble a ball around, but they're not able to play the game. And so I, I feel for them and in the complicated nature of coming in and out of the lineup and having to to step into an NBA game and not just any NBA game, but an NBA game against arguably a top four or five team in the league. And so, you know, we're going to talk about THC and his fit and there's a serious conversation to have there. But there, the, the important underlying, you know, context here is that THT has been locked in a hotel room for a week and a half and he stepped into that game. And so it's hard to be super judgmental, especially considering right before he tested positive, he was actually playing pretty well in a lot of different ways. And I, I don't think it changes the larger theme of THT's fit with this team, but it wasn't, it's not going to be this bad, you know, like if they decide to, stay committed to THT, not trade him, keep him on board for the long term. 
it won't be this bad, you know, like that there's a lot, there's a lot of, of context here. And, and the, the, the NBA is not a normal operating sports league right now. There are a ton of guys in and out dealing with issues that are going to make the basketball suffer. And especially in a night like tonight, where you see a Suns team that's largely been whole going against this Lakers team, that's playing a bunch of guys that aren't normally in their rotation and guys who had to be in sure. and in and out. Like there's a great deal of, uh, of differing circumstances at play here. Uh, and so yeah. I think that needs to be the very first thing that we point out is Yes, we're going to talk about fit. Yes, we're going to talk about rotation decisions. Yes, we're going to talk about the style that the Lakers are trying to lean into now. But they're a team that's been absolutely decimated by the protocols in the last couple of weeks, and the Suns were not. And that was inevitably going to play a role tonight. Yeah, this definitely feels like two teams on two totally opposite spectrums, right? Phoenix is pretty much the face of consistency. They know what they're doing. They're a well-oiled machine. I think DeAndre Ayton has missed a few games. But other than that, they, they filled in JaVale McGee and they just kept on winning. They had like an 18-game win streak. You can move that on from last year as well. Just the same core all pretty much came back. Uh, I believe Landry Shaman or something was the was the new addition. But yeah, they're a team that's been healthy. And they're probably the worst team to play when you're going through flux, right? When you're going through change. Uh, I think tonight was another starting lineup that we've never seen before. This was the first uh, game for that starting lineup as well. And against Phoenix, that's just too tough phoenix was like two for 22 from three at halftime that was never gonna stick right and they were only up two as well during that time so i knew they'd kind of run away with it um and yeah phoenix is just really good uh they know what they're doing uh chris paul devin booker all come off screens all know what they're doing deandre Ayton, i think was like eight for eight in this game i totally get the context with you know the covid and stuff but it still doesn't answer a lot of the lineup decisions right like i think that's where I kind of start with this. And that kind of leans into THT as well. Well, again, in context like this, you know, a bad game is going to happen. Bad shooting is going to happen. I still kind of feel like, and I want to ask you about this. We put him in the worst lineup for him, like the worst optimization for him. And we throw him on, on the other team's best player, which is fine. Young guy. And I thought he did a nice job on Devin Booker. He's going to hit some threes. You know, that's going to happen. Uh, but we start him next to Russ, LeBron, uh, and DeAndre Jordan. And I think that's just asking you know, for failure, that's asking him to be a jump shooter. And again, with coming back from COVID, all that stuff, I understand. I just think that plays into the worst part of his game, especially when our bench lineups are IT, Rondo, and Russ, which those are really confusing to me, even with the people out, even with the people we don't have available. I just, that's where I'm kind of confused with. So I'm going to start there because I guess we can kind of go into THT as well, uh, leaning into that. But do you agree with that? I feel like we put him in the worst kind of optimization and he played awful tonight. I'm not hiding away. I'm not shying away from that. I'm just saying, like, I, I do think that we don't do him any favors as well. Do you kind of do you fit in that as well? Yeah, there's no there's no doubt that playing THT alongside DeAndre Jordan doesn't play into his strengths. But the and, and of course, it turns him into a, a jump shooter in off the dribble situations. But what you saw tonight with Phoenix is an is an important detail that translates to the playoffs. And this is something that we have some concern about with Russ, but it also applies to THT as well. When you're playing the mm-hmm. very best defenses, especially in high leverage situations at the end of the season when they don't take possessions off, they are so good at help and recover. And when you overdo the help and recover thing to shade towards stars, you inevitably you inevitably have to have some sort of concession on the back end. 
And in this case, sure. in this case, it's usually going to be the worst shooter in your lineup. And you saw THT tonight get a ton of standstill, wide open threes. And he has to shoot those. He has, he has to, to shoot he them. He has to take mm-hmm. them. I 100% agree with you. But here's the situation. THT, in my opinion, projects to be a really good shooter one day. Why? Because he checks the boxes that are usually that usually need to be checked for a young player that will one day be a good shooter. Like, is he good at the free throw line? How is his touch mm-hmm. around the rim? That kind of stuff typically translates to in the future as he gets really familiar with how his jump shots play into his offense, that touch will translate eventually. But at his age, it's not there yet. And this is the situation over the course of the regular season, especially in the, in the next couple of weeks, because we do have some inferior op- opponents on this schedule. THT is going to have some nights where he looks really good because we're going to be playing some lesser defenses, some defenses that give him some easier opportunities and his perimeter shooting is not going to be as much of a factor. But the reality of the situation is, is when push comes to shove, like let, let's skip forward here. Let's, let's pretend Anthony Davis comes back and we get the four seed. Let's say the best case scenario, we get the four seed. This is great. AD looks healthy. LeBron looks great. We have the four seed. We end up in a second round series against Golden State or against Phoenix. They're going to ignore THT and leave him open on the wing. That's going to happen. That is guaranteed to happen. And most sure. importantly, on most offensive possessions, that's going to be the read. And we have a team with players who like to make the right play. Like guys like LeBron, guys like Rondo, guys like Isaiah Thomas, they're going to make reads out of those plays. Isaiah Thomas probably won't be around at that point, but you get the point. We're going to be making reads and the read is going to be hitting that guy on the weak side. And it's usually going to be THT if he's playing. And this is where the timeline gets tricky because I genuinely believe that THT, and I know a lot of people disagree with me. I saw a lot of people taking victory laps on THT tonight, which is completely unfair given the fact that he's been locked in the hotel room for the last two weeks. But the, the reality is, is that even though I think he will one day be a good standstill shooter, a guy who will be able to be a functional two guard on a championship level team that will make teams pay for not guarding him and bring everything that we're seeing from him now, elite perimeter defense, using his length to disrupt things off the ball, you, uh, uh, his ability to get to the basket, his low center of gravity, the way that bumps defenders off of him. All of that will be there. But that lack of perimeter shooting right now is borderline lethal. He was 0 for 8 tonight. That, well, it, it's it, not, was, it hurt a lot of possessions for us. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not just that you know he can't shoot. It's that he plays with non-shooters, right? He plays next to... Like, I'm fine with getting him reps next to Russ, getting him next to LeBron, and he's our defensive stopper, right, Quote in quotation marks. Like, that's who the guy they, they want. That's his role that they want him to be in the playoffs, right? You know, if you play against a Paul George, you would play against a Kawhi Leonard, whatever, whoever the other wing is, you could just throw THC on him for a few minutes. I totally get that. I just don't think all his minutes should be next to them only, right? I think it's just a disservice to him because you could tell he's in zero rhythm just in the game in general, and he gets the ball, and he just is like, oh, I can finally, like, do something, you know? And that's why you see the, you know, st- uh, one-leg step-back, you know, fadeaway jumpers that get, that got blocked tonight, or you see him get in the lane and try to do these super crazy reverse, because it's, like, the only time he kind of touches the ball there, because he's with all these other shot creators. And I thought it was crazy. He played next to Russ, IT, 
and LeBron, I think. And he was like the other guard. And it's like, he's never going to touch the ball, right? He's going to just be a spacer. And that's just not what he is right now. I'm fine. Again, him getting minutes next to our starters. I just think you have to kind of, I would like them to stagger a little bit. Like, again, I don't think that three guard lineup should ever play. I, I thought that Rondo IT, it was Rondo IT, Russ and THT. Sorry, not LeBron. It was uh, Rondo IT, Russ and uh, THT, which is just insane to me to play that. And I think he needs some kind of on ball reps here because it just, it just looks like a struggle. And he's, he go he goes up and down and you were right. He was playing better before he got into COVID protocols. I think he was like, I think someone told me uh, he was five for nine from three, but I think before that he was like two for 25 from three, you know? So it's like a, it's a really up and down ceiling thing for him. And I just would like to see him in a little bit more spacing lineups. And again, the DeAndre Jordan stuff is really confusing to me. Even if Dwight Howard is not in great shape, I thought he could have been on like a minutes restriction or something to where it's not just LeBron at center or Trevor Rees at center. But yeah, on THD, we just don't put him in great lineups. And we run a lot of LeBron post-ups, right? And the whole point of going small with LeBron at the five is to give him space. We had one play, we ran a, we ran a post-up for him and it was THT russ and rondo on the weak side and they played hot potato and it got to tht and you know i think he like got close to airballing and to me that's the stuff that we can clean up those are stuff that's really confusing to me and it's not Taylor's fault you're right a lot of people you're right taking victory laps going you know finding my old tht tweets as well and dunking on them now uh for but he's just not put in the position to me like He's not playing well either. It's just I would like to see us put him in a little bit more position, let him run a couple high screen and rolls, you know, just to get him going. Let him run some, you know, one five just spaced out screen rolls to get him uh, in rhythm because I I think he just looks lost out there. Right? Is lost too strong of a word to use? Because that's kind of what I see him on offense, at least kind of confused where to screen, where to go. And I think that's all from just starting with uh, three non spacers and LeBron being the best shooter in that lineup. Well, THT represents a redundancy. That's why he looks lost. He's trying to find Mm -hmm. a place to get his skill set to fit in with the group. You know, it's like, it's like the concept of diminishing returns. So Mm -hmm. THT, if he's playing with the Houston Rockets right now, and he's running screen and roll with Christian Wood and three other guards or guys who can shoot, you know, his skill set is infinitely more valuable than it is when on this team, he's, kind of relegated to being a spot up shooter in a lot of situations. Cause you're you're right. Like Raj, you hit the nail on the head. Like he's, he's on the floor with Isaiah Thomas and LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, like, and Rajon Rondo and Rajon Rondo. Like he, there were, there were several lineups. There were lineups tonight that had Rondo and Isaiah Thomas there, there, there is his skill set on this team is wasted in a lot of ways. At least I shouldn't even say his skill set, his ceiling, the, the areas of his skill set that will inevitably be what allows him to compete for all-star spots in the future, that skill set is wasted here. On this team, all that is really relevant is what he brings defensively, which I think is highly underrated. People massively underrate what THT can do defensively. It's, it's the biggest thing that gets glossed over when we're having this discussion. But on the offensive end on this team, he's in a spot-up role. And his mm-hmm. value, it, that's where that diminishing return comes in. And this is the huge downside of playing one foot on either side of the line, of having one foot in the moment and one foot in the future, is there's this tantalizing potential with THT, as I keep calling a mini Kawhi. And people think I'm crazy, but I really <laughs> think, I really think he could be an all-star level two-way guard, a guy who can average – 
an efficient 18 to 20 points a game and be an all defense guy. He's Drew Holiday, in my opinion, in the future. That's what I think he could be. And, but on this team, he's going to look bad because of all of the things you just described, Raj, the lineups that he's playing with, what his skill set actually brings in terms of the redundancy and what he's being relegated to do off the ball. And so this is where you ask yourself, like, is it worth holding the asset to keep him on the roster because of that potential that could come a few years down at the expense of the moment? And and that's where you have to weigh those two factors, because I would tell you, because I think winning an NBA championship is super hard. I think you have to be willing to give up some of that tantalizing future for whatever you can get in the moment. And I know, I know that uh, I know this is why you and I make a good pair Raj. Like you're so much more reserved and you're so much more conservative with this stuff. And, it, and it's good because I need your perspective <laughs> to, to keep me, in, uh, you know, kind of grounded. But like every time I see a game like tonight, I just think THT is more valuable elsewhere in the league than he is here. So he has to be cashed in. And I don't think it's well, any more complicated than that. Well, it's not just I'm reserved. It's just that bridge is four weeks away. You know what I mean? Like you can't even get to that bridge. And you said doing both, having one foot in potential, one foot out. I mean, when you pay, like not to bring this about contract, because, you know, that's that's other stuff. But, you you know, they invested him three years, 30 million. He makes 10 million a year. Like he's not making rookie money anymore. You know what I mean? He's not on like a rookie deal where it's like a save for another team when they get him. He's on like a short team deal or where he can kind of he can still outplay his contract, obviously. But he makes, you know, he makes good money now. He makes uh, $10 million a year. Like that's not nothing to me. Like that's where I'm at with the THC conversation because I can't even have this conversation yet. Everyone's saying, you know, trade them, ship them off to Indiana. You can't <laughs> ship them off. Like, you can't ship them off for four more weeks. You know how much can change in four weeks? You know what I mean? Like, that's a oh, long wow. time. Who knows, you know, and, you know, knock on wood that they're not, you know, they don't go off a cliff here in terms of how many games they lose. But four weeks, I mean, you want to reassess the situation, right? And THT being wasted on this team is – that's a strong kind of way to put it to me because I feel like we can – we can replicate some of the stuff that he he would do on other teams. You know, like, why does he have to be pigeonholed into the, like, it'd be great. In the playoffs, obviously, that's going to be his role. Like, it's going to be throwing for 20 minutes on a wing defender. If he can hit spot up three, is great. If not, he's not going to be getting, you know, 100 pick and roll possessions a game on this team. It's just never going to happen. Russ and LeBron are going to play full time. But I think right now, as shorthanded as we are, without the, you know, shot, creation that ad takes up in terms of like possessions like give him some you know ball screen action give him some moments where you know he's out there maybe he's out there with isaiah thomas and he's out there with carmelo and trevor ariza and maybe it's lebron and just give him some space to work with a little bit because he's playing in a phone booth and it's very similar to russ as well right he, teams leave him just like they leave russ and you put those two together and it's a very cramped floor already makes what LeBron's doing absolutely even more impressive. We can go to him too, but that's my final thing on THT. It's not that I'm just so reserved. It's just that bridge is four weeks away. You can't even walk there for another month. So like, I, I can't get myself to buy into that yet. At least um, I don't think changes. That's why I've been on this. I don't think huge reinforcements are coming minimum guys, two way guys. We were wrong yesterday. We did our uh, little free agency pod. They cut Chandri Brown, which I thought was very shocking. 
Um, and Jay Huff still couldn't get him in it tonight when, <laughs> when the when the game mattered. Obviously, he came in when it's like two minutes left, down 20. Uh, but, yeah, it's, that was very confusing as well. But, yeah, that's my thing on THT, man. That conversation is so far, and I still think there's stuff we can do. Put him in, like, screen action with Wayne Ellington, where he's the screener, like we do with Russ. Like, put him in some, you know, movement actions where he's not just standing on the other side waiting for the ball, and now he's, like, jab-stepping, waiting, and now the defense recovers to – where, where like LeBron creates double penetration and then he kicks it out on his THG, holds it a second. And Phoenix is such a good team where they rotate really quickly. But yeah, that's my thing on Taylor, man. He's not going anywhere for four weeks. So I, he needs, we need to know how to replicate him and put him into lineups that are successful for him because he's the big part of this team and he needs to play like benching him. I don't think is the answer either. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my thing on him. And hopefully he shoots better too. I think he's a better shooter than he showed. He absolutely like, is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, like when you have the touch that he has, it's just about building a functional spot up three point shot and getting mm-hmm. him to the point where he trusts his muscle memory and he can get it off at game speed. Because that's the biggest adjustment you'll see, especially with young players is you get them, you get them in a gym by themselves and they'll knock them down all day long. But there's something about the transition between that and game speed that throws them off. It's, it's the biggest thing that I think Kevin Durant has nailed on the head, nailed on the head with training is he always talks about how he practices at game speed. And that's, I don't think enough players do that. Um, and that's what you'll see because THT, what I've noticed a lot, especially when he first came back from the thumb injury is he was leaving a lot of stuff short. And to me, that's like trying to, that's trying to slow yourself down while you're shooting instead of just going with the same speed that you were in practice because you were already practicing at a game speed. But I, I digress. The, the, I agree with you about waiting until January in the sense that yes, you have to read the cards at that point. The point yeah. is, is like, to me, all signs are pointing in that direction. For, in, in my opinion, like there, yeah. he, he, he looked so good in that first couple games back that I think, I think we all, like I said, tantalized. We were tantalized by that that potential future. But the, what you're so you're talking about, like getting THT in in these situations where he has an advantage, and and I totally get that in a perfect world, right? Like mm. if in a perfect world where we could afford to throw a bunch of possessions in THT's direction to try to get him development opportunities, I'd agree with you. But yeah. this is this goes back to the concept of diminishing returns. Like it's one thing when Russ is running action, LeBron's running action, Russ is running action, LeBron's running action. Okay, let's hit THT curling out of the weak side corner once and yeah. then go back to LeBron and Russ. That's one thing. But you can't just throw a bunch of possessions at THT where he has action run for him without taking away – from your primary initiators. And and that's where we get into the diminishing returns concept. The idea of what THT can be keeps us from acknowledging the reality of what this situation is, which is that he's a very young player who's very volatile offensively. Even when you do run stuff for him, there are nights where it looks great and nights where it doesn't. And so within the confines of this season, his value to this team and their ultimate goal is lower than what his value is elsewhere in the league. And strictly analytical thinkers would tell you your best chance to win a championship is to trade him. That, 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 and so obviously you have to factor in some, some other aspects to that. Like, yes, LeBron's getting older. Who's going to be the perimeter initiator when he's gone. Like all of that stuff still is a factor here. I'm not 
trying to diminish that by any stretch of the imagination. But foundationally, right now, he is less valuable to us than he is elsewhere, which is is the ideal time to trade a player. And, and so uh, when we get to that point, when we get to January 15th, if he mm-hmm. still if he still looks like he does now, which is lost. I, I love that word you lo- used. Lost is the right word in the sense that his skill set, particularly on the offensive end, doesn't appear to fit with our system. Now, you made some good points about the system and the fact that the system is not is not really u- utilized properly for him, but it's utilized for who we do have. Guys mm-hmm. that are ready right now. Our system is set up for, like right now we're leaning heavily into small ball, and it's a ton of LeBron, it's a ton of Russ. And yeah. You're seeing a little bit of Isaiah Thomas and Rondo around that. Our system is set up for those guys. We can't afford to set things up for THT. You know what I mean? And, and so fr- from that standpoint, like uh, it's it's a little bit unrealistic. Like it made, it made more sense last year when LeBron and AD both were hurt. To be like, okay, mm-hmm. let's let's get THT a ton of reps. You know what I mean? But I, I just I struggle with it within the confines of this season. And I think it'll be end up being the and again, if, if we have a month and he just got out of a hotel room for a week and a half. So if over the course of the next month, if he seems to kind of start knocking down more of those spot up opportunities, succeed in his limited sets that are run his direction, and do a better job of attacking closeouts while also bringing everything that he does defensively, now we're talking about something different. Now we're talking about a player that's every bit as good as we could hope for a Jeremy Grant to be anyway. And at that point, you're right. Now we're getting Jeremy Grant now and potentially an all-star guard in the future. Like that, Then I'm all in on that, I, and I get it. All I'm saying is like, if it more or less looks like this in January, I think you have to trade him at that point. Yeah, no, that that's totally fair. And I meant more with the, like, Anthony Davis is out, right? So we need, like, offensive options in our second unit. And I'd honestly rather see a THD kind of run some kind of actions than just – and when Isaiah Thomas is on, obviously, and we both think he's not really long for this team, uh, especially with Kendrick Nunn coming back. But just instead of, you know, the Rondo, TH, Rondo Isaiah Thomas lineups, uh, just throw a THD maybe in there, give him a few possessions to – to take the load off of, of LeBron or Russ. I just think there's stuff we can do. And I'm just looking at, you know, his games before he went out with COVID. So he missed three games. Uh, he missed the Dallas, Minnesota, and Chicago game. But he was seven for, for 14, four for seven, both of those against the Magic and the Thunder. So he was kind of building building up. And, again, he's not the player he was tonight. He's not the first three games he came back averaging 20 or something. He's somewhere in between there. And I just think there's things we can kind of open and open up for him. You're right. We're going small. I thought tonight we played with some pace in the first quarter. Phoenix again wasn't shooting well, but we ran the we ran the ball down the floor for him, and that's stuff that I think he can also get into, get the ball, push the push the ball in transition. I think his one basket tonight, yeah, he was one for nine, was on a layup right where he like in transition. Devin Booker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you evaded Devin Booker, and you talk about the one star play he makes every game. That was kind of it, right? It was just he like super uh, be able to move in transition in air and finish around Devin Booker. But yeah, there's stuff we can do, and I understand we don't have time to develop him. It's not really what I'm kind of, I guess, asking for. I just feel like there's ways to get him involved. Like, we run actions specifically for Wayne Ellington, right? We run specific ones for him to come off pin downs. We run, like, pick and rolls where he's the he comes off dribble handoffs. And I think there's stuff with THT. You can tell he's not a spot-up guy. I just think him seeing, like, a layup go in early would be so big for him because uh, you can tell he just thinks about it 
uh, all game. He's just trying to get his first basket, and it's like third quarter, and you see him start to create. But, yeah, I guess that's enough on Talon. Uh, he had a rough night, and I don't think he's as bad as he was tonight. And his defense is, you know, it's good. It's important for this team. Uh, I think it's underrated, like you talked about. They need his defense, and that's the reason he starts. Uh, but he needs to start hitting some outside shots for sure. Yeah, so let, let's talk about the small ball thing, because this is something we started a little bit last night mm-hmm. as we were talking about the the couple of free agent signings that they made with the hardship exceptions. You know, yeah. when you – first of all, the, there are a couple things that I, I keep an eye on when we go small that are important. For instance, rebounding. We, we rebounded really well tonight. Uh, re- mm. relative to what our uh, uh, lineups that we were playing were. Like, I think we gave up single-digit offensive rebounds. I'll pull up the, the numbers here in a second. But we, we, we competed on the glass, which is something that we've been begging for this team to do all season and is absolutely imperative with the small ball lineups. Yeah, we, we were out-rebounded 53-47, to 47, which is totally manageable when you're going against JaVale McGee and DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton. And we only gave up eight offensive rebounds, which is a manageable number under the circumstances. But sure. what, you, what you have to do in those situations when you are playing small, in my opinion, is you have to win all of the speed and finesse areas of the game. So, for instance, we did not shoot the ball well tonight. Carmelo Anthony and Wayne Ellington, both one for four. So we were two for eight. As a team, we were only seven for 35 from three. When we go small and we're playing driving kick basketball, we have to knock down shots. That's, that's an important part of this kind of system working. Secondly, getting out in transition, we only had 15 fast break points tonight, so we, we gave up 20 to Phoenix. They actually had 22 points off of our turnovers. So basically, when we turned the ball over, they ran it right down our throat for a layup. When you play small ball, you understand that you're giving up things in certain areas of the game. You understand you're probably going to be out-rebounded to some extent. You need to try to minimize that as much as possible. You understand you're going to give up specific mismatches some places on the floor, particularly to post players. You know, there were a lot of plays tonight where, you know, in transition, JaVale McGee or DeAndre would catch it. It'd be like Wayne Ellington underneath him, and they would just shoot that little float. You expect that to a certain extent. That comes with playing small ball. You have to understand that with that, you have to also take – from the other team with your overall foot speed, with your additional shooting, with your additional skill on the floor. Because typically if you're trading a seven footer for some six, five guy, the six, five guy is usually more skilled. He's faster. He's going to bring all those things to the game. So there, there, there's a foundation here that's starting to build. We, we had a, a huge leap today in our rebounding. That's great. I thought Trevor Ariza was awesome in particular defensive rebound, but that's a thing that, that we were expecting with him coming back into the group, Mm -hmm. but we have to put it all together in order for this to function. In order for this to function, we have to shoot the ball. Well, we have to knock down the three point opportunities that come our way. We have to push the ball in transition and get easy shots with our foot speed because our total lineup foot speed should in theory be better than the other team because we're playing small and we have to do the rebounding stuff that I was talking about. If all of that comes together, this can work. And you know, the most important part about that is Anthony Davis is so versatile that you can more or less play the same style of basketball just by plugging him back in. I mean, technically he's a center, so you're going to, it's like bringing a center back into the game, but he can guard guards and wings and defense and offensively he can spot up and he can play on the, he can attack closeouts. He can do all of that stuff. So you can build a small ball identity during this time 
where you polish up all those things I'm talking about, defensive rebounding, pushing the ball in transition, you know, uh, uh, driving kick basketball, generating super high quality threes, attacking closeout well, you can do all of that. And then just basically plug Anthony Davison as a fifth guard who happens to have all the physical capabilities of a center. And this could be a really dangerous playoff team, more in line with what we saw with the Clippers and Nets last year, as opposed to the brute force physicality type of team that we were in previous years. So there is, there is some silver lining stuff here. And, and, mm-hmm. and this, the, this is the last thing I'll say about it. Cause there was a lot of negativity surrounding the Lakers today uh, on Twitter and in the podcast where I, I tweeted about how Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton were extremely yeah. critical on the Lakers guys. This is, this is, this is really important to remember here. And I know it's hard to see the forest for the trees under the circumstances. We just got our butts kicked by the Suns right after we lost a tough one on the road in Chicago, right after we got our butts kicked in Minnesota when AD sprained his knee and all these players are out with COVID. I get that it's really hard to see the forest for the trees, but this team was trending in the right direction. Clearly they had won seven of 10 going into the Minnesota game, going into the AD injury. They were coming back on Minnesota. I thought they were going to win that game. They, had, take, they yeah. had taken massive leaps in terms of their lineup structure. DeAndre Jordan was a distant memory. We weren't seeing any Rondo. It was a lot of shooting. We were running the floor in transition really well. LeBron was playing MVP level basketball. Really, Anthony Davis was the only guy who wasn't quite hitting all, hitting on all cylinders the way that we needed him to. This team was trending in the right direction and got derailed by a, uh, by a nasty knee injury and COVID. And so COVID's going to go away in terms of players missing time. Our players will come back and Anthony Davis is coming back. So this is, this is not over. This, tonight's game was re- almost unwinnable. So it is what it is, but there is a, there's a long-term vision here and it's one that is attainable. And that is continue these habits that we built over the last month in a small ball, <clears throat> excuse me, in a small ball concept, let Anthony Davis get healthy. Let him figure out whatever the hell was ailing his body. Hopefully he can fix his jump shot this time too. And then he can come back and this team can go on a run. This team, in my opinion, still has a championship ceiling. I know it's hard to see that, but I very much believe that that ceiling is still there. Yeah. And, and to <clears throat> your point on the small ball uh, for tonight, I mean, DeAndre Jordan was a minus 26 in 15 minutes, which seems almost impossible, uh, right? And and Rondo as well, minus 26. But that means when we went small, it was a pretty close game. And you talked about the three-point shooting as well. Uh, I believe that uh, Carmelo, Isaiah Thomas, and THT were like two for 19 combined or something like that uh, from three. You're just not going to win that way uh, against, mm-hmm. against, Phoenix, against Phoenix. I'm kind of like – I get the optimism with it. And, you know, there's uh, Tim Legler, I think, did a video as well where he said, even when the team's healthy, they're not a good defensive team, right? But we haven't seen Which is factually like, false, by the way, on like yeah, several we, different levels. <laughs> yeah, because we also haven't seen the team fully healthy. And they were upticking, you know, defensively. I think they were top 10 the last like 10 games or something on defense. Uh, they moved into the top 10 as well. And that's what makes it so frustrating. I think the Ariza coming back the day after AD goes down is what's really tough. I try to keep optimistic, but I mean, like, you know, AD coming back in February, what's the team going to look like? Hopefully Kendrick Nunn comes back as well. And I think Phoenix, you know, and Golden State and Utah are kind of far ahead in terms of 
where they're at, just what the season is. I think we're going to be catching up to that and try to make a late push. You're right. There's still a chance here. There's still, you know, a season to be played. LeBron's been great. He looked great again tonight. He was 13 for 19 tonight. I mean, that's just insane to me. Uh, two for five from three as well. He was a plus zero on the night on a game where we lost by 18. 18. <laughs> lost by 18 and LeBron was a plus zero, which just kind of shows you um, what happened tonight. And I want to ask you this because, again, we saw a lot of LeBron at the five tonight and it is taxing on him, right? Like we can talk about how much easier the offensive load is, but that's still like tonight. Phoenix is a tough one to kind of judge that on because they're all ball screen. So you kind of have to either make a choice, right? You either tag in on Aiden or you leave Mikel Bridges or Cam Johnson or whoever on the perimeter because you couldn't switch. Uh, you can't really switch that pick and roll. Devin Booker and Chris Paul get to the mid range. But what do you think about like on LeBron in terms of his, his load tonight, like how he, how tired he was, I guess, trying to play that way um, against the Suns. Because we play a lot of him at center. DeAndre Jordan played 15 minutes, which means, which means the rest of And LeBron played 34 minutes, and a lot of that, I think, was at center. I think like 20 minutes of it was at center. Um, he did look – he looked fine, though, physically, at least even after the ankle injury. It's kind of frustrating. Reggie Miller kept bringing up his ankle, and I thought LeBron looked fine. Like, I thought he was okay after, even after he went down. But what do you think about, like, the, the tax on him, I guess? Because I think this is the – I know Dwight Howard was out for COVID protocols, but I feel like, I mean, I've heard Vogel kind of say they were going to centerless lineups anyway. Uh, obviously, that was before AD went down, but it still feels like they're going to try this, like, once real center and put Trevor Reza at center, which, again, puts a lot of tax on LeBron. So what do you see from him, I guess, at the center lineup tonight? So I'm not overly concerned about it in in the long term because, first of all, you know, offensively, the work is easier because he's operating in space. Now, teams like Phoenix are so good at packing the paint that it does look hard. Um, You know, I think we saw that tonight. I think you saw both LeBron and Russell Westbrook miss a couple, primarily Russ, but uh, LeBron had a handful himself where they missed right at the rim because there was – you know, really good contests and, and really good help offered by Phoenix at the, at the rim. And so to, a, a game like tonight can look particularly physically exhausting for LeBron because he's doing everything he's doing defensively. And on offense, he's kind of operating in a lot of traffic just because Phoenix is so good at what they do. But the truth of the matter is, is the vast majority of the teams that we play over the course of the regular season are going to be less disciplined defensively and LeBron's going to be operating in a ton of space offensively, and it's going to be fine. I think I think a big way to try to alleviate some of his defensive workload, too, is to do more switching. Don't have him play the Draymond role. Have him be more of – like, yes, he can do it to help in specific mismatch situations in the post, but – have the team switch more and be more willing to give mm. up to give up the occasional basket around the rim because of a mismatch and understand that over the course of the game the fatigue advantages of, of doing more switching will pay off in better offense like like I'm, I'm a big believer in that but the truth of the matter is Raj and you and I both know this like this team's not going anywhere that without Anthony Davis Anthony Davis will come back yeah when Anthony Davis comes back and they're in a postseason series, let's say they let's say they get the sixth seed and we're on the road in Utah to start the playoffs. The truth of the matter is, is LeBron and AD are playing forty minutes a game in that series. So, sure. so yes, LeBron is at center is going to be something that might be able to eat some innings in the regular season, particularly against bad teams. Yes, it'll look particularly exhausting against the handful of 
truly elite defenses that we play. But the truth of the matter is, is he's not going to have to do that when push comes to shove. When push comes to shove, it'll be short bursts of that. Now, you're right. Over the course of the next month, it's going to be a lot to ask of him. But we're not going to be playing Phoenix every time. And, and I think I thought Chicago was a great example of this. Like Chicago, that game, LeBron looked very lively on both ends. And I thought a big part of it was just he, thri- he like thrives in the energy of operating in space offensively. And we, we talked about last night, like he's, he's going for more blocked shots than he has in years, just yeah. like elevating and trying to block shots. He's invigorated by, by the, the opportunity that he's having offensively to play in space. So I'm not overly concerned about it. Yes, a game like today is going to beat him up. He's going to wake up tomorrow, be sore as all hell. His ankle's going to hurt. But the truth, of the, the truth of the matter is, is he's not playing Phoenix every night. And by the time he does have to play Phoenix every night, if we do get to that point in the playoffs, it's going to be Anthony Davis alongside him. And, and it's going to be a, a little bit more manageable of a, of a physical experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then they play San Antonio next on Thursday. And then obviously the Nets, who are you know ravaged by COVID on Christmas. There's some chance to get some wins here. Um, but I just think it's a fascinating thing to kind of look at. And obviously, I don't mean for the playoffs. I mean in these next four to six weeks because I think mm-hmm. both of us believe it's going to be on the longer end of that um some other like good stuff I guess I saw tonight like Russell Westbrook had some bad turnovers right like he had some awful kind of drive but I thought you know the tempo and the pace is kind of what we're going for like even in that starting lineup even we, with DeAndre Jordan playing Russ was still kind of pushing the ball and I think that's something he needs to do he was 10 for 20 tonight uh, again five turnovers but you know 10 rebounds, five assists, three steals. I thought he played, you know, he pushed the pace, and I think that's what he needs to do uh, on this team. And hopefully that kind of picks up. Hopefully he can kind of pick up some for LeBron here as as we go forward. But uh, did you have anything else, I guess, uh, for tonight uh, against the Suns? Yeah, I mean, I I get really frustrated with Rajon Rondo. <laughs> in, oh, man. In the, you, know, you know, one of the things that kills me with Rondo is like, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the foundational concept of switching. Like, okay, you got to switch on Isaiah Thomas on the perimeter and you're going to try to score on him. Make him score on you. Like make him make a move and shoot over the top of you. Move your feet, make him earn it. Rajon Rondo does so much pointless gambling off the ball that like half the time it's like he's, he's not even making guys score over him half the time. It's like it's a gamble here. It's a it's an overhelp there. It's a it's it's reach around steal here, and guys are just getting right past him and getting him in, getting into the lane. And our defense is compromised. Like it's it's the concept of positional defense. Like there's 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 disruptive defense and there's positional defense. Like if you're a disruptive defender is so athletically gifted that he can afford to gamble without giving away position. And over the course of the game, it, it's a, a huge net positive. But when uh, positional defense is like, I just, I know that I can't necessarily disrupt this guy, but I'm just going to try to as, as best as I can to anticipate where he's going, move my feet, wall up, put my hands up, don't foul, make the dude score over the top of me. The best guy we have on the roster with this right now is Austin Reeves. But it's like w- what Austin Reeves does a really good job is like, hey, if you can make a shot over the top of me, good for you. But, like, I'm not going to reach. I'm not going to gamble. I'm not going to get myself out of position. You're going to earn this basket. And he, he does such a good job of that. And Rondo is, like, the antithesis of that. And 
I'm not Rondo's not at fault for us losing tonight, so I'm not blaming him by any stretch of the imagination. But as I was watching that game, like it just is one of those things that's like a personal basketball pet peeve of mine. He just yeah. he he is such such a freelance. Russ does this a lot too, by the way. But that's what he, I was gonna say. but yeah. it's just it's such a he's such a freelancer that like like there's the occasional sequence like yeah game two against Denver dude he or I think it was game three actually game three against Denver he goes crazy and gets like four consecutive steals and goes the other way for layups and dunks with LeBron and it's like man like Rajon Rondo this is incredible look at his defense but it's like in reality those plays were gambles they just happened to pay off <laughs> you know what I mean like mm-hmm. and and Everything. This is why Rondo is so hot and cold. And this is why there are so many good Rondo games that are juxtaposed with bad Rondo games because he has that same philosophy offensively. Offensively, it's high risk, high reward passes, and and it just. I know he reins it in to a, a greater extent when he gets to the postseason. Not that he's going to be you know playing that role this season, but like uh, just. It's like nails on a basketball chalkboard to me as a as a basketball fan, <laughs> and I, I just had to I had to get that off my chest. Now, I'm glad you brought up Rondo because something I was thinking about. That's one of the reasons I hate the Rondo Westbrook lineups. Both of them are like one rotation guys on defense. Do you know what I mean? Like once they rotate once, they're not like flying back to rotate again. So once they like touch the paint, they're both just stand there. You know what I mean? There's a lot of like pointing and you know rondo does a lot of pointing as well on defense but like phoenix is a team that moves the ball really well they move from corner to corner wing to wing after like the second pass rondo and russ aren't moving and then you play deandre jordan with that as well we just have a lot of like one rotation one effort type guys on defense and it's why also i don't think those guys can play and it's why guys like austin reeves who i hope we get back you know pretty soon here kind of jumps off the page as well because he's a multi-effort guy right he's a multi-rotator mm-hmm. like on defense he'll rotate to the corner if the ball swings to the wing he'll rotate to the wing even if it's not his guy right the shot clock's going down he'll just fly and rotate uh, even if like someone else is right there that's just stuff that we need and i saw a little bit of that from jamario jones we saw him tonight as well he got a couple offensive rebounds. I thought his energy was nice. Maybe he's a guy we can throw into that. But yeah, it's a, like I'm glad you brought up Rondo there because I feel like that's another reason why I hate the Rondo Westbrook lineups. They both rotate once or twice maximum. If the ball swings three times, they're not rotating to that third. Like if their if their job is to close out to the wing, they'll close out to the wing. And then if the ball swings one one more, they they won't close out or they'll just stand there and wait for the ball, right? And I've talked about how Russ isn't a box out rebounder, so he's a stare, anticipate, and then jump type of rebounder, and we give up a lot of offensive rebounds that way as well. That's why I don't like those lineups. And I hope tonight was the last of the Russ IT uh, Rondo uh, combination as well. I think we've seen enough of that. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can kind of get a few more players, get Austin Reese back for the Thursday game and uh, hopefully pick that one up because uh, we need to pick up some wins here. We have a little bit more of a home schedule coming up, uh, especially San Antonio coming next and then obviously the Nets on Christmas. The San Antonio and Brooklyn games are almost must wins now under the circumstances, yeah. just in terms of trying to float in the standings. Um, what you brought up, this will be the last thing we hit on and then we'll get out of here. Uh, talking about those extra efforts and rotations. I thought there was a really interesting quote. I'm not sure if you saw it, but it was from David Fisdale from before the game talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to teach guys not that are not used to being devoted to the dirty work to embrace the dirty work. Did you happen to see that quote? Yeah. Yeah. About box outs and all that stuff. Like he was talking about. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really interesting because this is something that you and I have been hitting on all season. 
this idea that it, it, it all comes down to basketball character. And it's something that it's something that I think some of the guys have done a better job of embracing than others. Like I've actually been really impressed with uh, Carmelo Anthony uh, uh, over the course of the season, just getting a lot better at that stuff than he used to be. He still has a long way to go. But the truth of the matter is, is basically what David Fisdell said is like a lot of these guys were stars in previous situations and they were in situations where they were able to devote the lion's share of their energy towards the, you know, offensive roles that they had. And they were typically surrounded by players that did that work for them. Isaiah Thomas is an example of that. Carmelo Anthony is an example of that. Even Rajon Rondo is an example of that to a certain extent. Russell Westbrook is definitely an example of that. All of these guys are are coming from situations where, where they were not asked to do those things. And now they're filling in roles that were previously occupied by players that had that at the top of their list of priorities, you know, namely guys like KCP and Alex Caruso, Kuzma a little bit more towards the end, although he had his own priorities as we all know. But the truth of the matter is, is a lot of these guys have, have been dealing with a little bit of a wake up call on that front. And I think it was something that we, you know, even underestimated how long that would take, because I think, I think they're clearly trending in the right direction. At least the guys that are going to be on the roster in the long run. I think those guys are trending in the, in the right direction, but that's a great example of why this team is going to be a little bit easier to evaluate towards the end. If Anthony Davis comes back, in uh, let's say middle February and he's healthy and usually typically post all-star break. I think there's like about 30 games typically. So, so let's say they go on a 30 game run, you know, and all these guys are, you know, foundationally different players at that point, you know, like Carmelo Anthony going from being a star to being a role player on a Portland team that didn't defend anyway, you know, like this team, like as wild as it is, I think, I think they were 10th in defense coming into tonight's game. Like that's crazy. Like that's, that's, that's insane under the circumstances. So they are in a, in a, in a culture where they're being asked to do these things for real uh, under a coach that demands that of them. And there's a, there is an opportunity here that come early April, there's some continuity and some health and some habits that are formed that could make this team very dangerous. The word that our guy Krangis has been using is frisky. And, and, and that's kind of the way I look at it. Like if you combine frisky with uh, a legitimate playoff run from LeBron, who clears, it seems to be trending in that direction and Anthony Davis p- potentially getting back to his bubble form, this suddenly becomes a team that could be very difficult to beat four times out of seven. And I know I've been trying to bring the optimism over the last couple of days, but I, I, I genuinely believe that I'm not, I'm not pulling that out of thin air. No, for sure. And your point on the, like, we have a lot of players that were stars before. That's why I think Trevor Reza, you know, fits so well. Cause he's been a role player pretty much his whole career. He's been a super role player. And he just knows what to do. I agree with all that in a sense. And not, I'm not trying to be negative here. I just think this is a time where they can't fracture, right? Like, cause this can, I know you hit the optimist kind of point there, but I mean, this can go bad. Like there's a, there's a universe, there's a world where this goes bad. You know what I mean? There's a world where Absolutely. losses, yeah, there's a world where losses pile up and four to six weeks is not nothing. You know, that's not just a sim 
sim those games like that's a, there's a lot of games back i think that's 23 games uh if i check there and that's a lot of games to try to make up like even going 500 in that time would keep us at 500 right because we are 500 right now i think we're like six uh don't know our exact record but i believe tonight made us 500 again so if we go 500 in this stretch we'd still be 500 at that time and obviously the west isn't as great as it was the last few years but i still think uh there's going to be a lot to kind of push and you never want to be in the play-in obviously uh the warriors can kind of tell you that about last year so i agree there's optimism and hopefully when ad comes back he can fit right back in i just think like this next few games and this next like week or so is very important because they need to pick up wins you can't just fall on the face of the earth and keep screaming process because they need wins right now like they they've they've thrown all their banked wins away like losing to okc earlier in the year blowing 20 point leads early in the year that cost you this time with any kind of margin for error i guess like that's my thing here there's no margin for error here like we, we can't just drop four or five games uh and drop back so that's I agree with you. There's still, you know, positives. LeBron looking like LeBron, I think, is the top of the key on all this. Like LeBron looking like himself, uh, an MVP candidate, all that stuff is important. And hopefully AD can kind of come back on his time, come back healthy, come back reju- uh, re- rejuvenated, right, with a sense of you mm-hmm. know urgency and energy and uh, no more of this, like, lethargic kind of play that he's been at. And he still had the numbers. Obviously, the numbers are great. It's just on the floor, it doesn't look as ad as ad standards right for other players maybe but but yeah i just think like this is an important time here where it could fracture or they can kind of come together and get a few wins here and i think it's important yeah i think it's going to be about winning the games that they're supposed to win most importantly like you can you can go into the locker room tonight if you're the lakers and you can look each other in the face and be like hey like we competed those are the phoenix those are the phoenix suns that's what we're trying to get. And we know we can't get there until we're all healthy anyway. Hey, but we competed, you know, and you can even kind of do the same thing with Chicago because as decimated as they were, they weren't nearly as decimated as we were. And, uh, and even then, like you put a, could have very easily won that game. if DeMar DeRozan doesn't make every mid range jump shot he takes at the, at the end of the game. So like, there's some silver linings Thursday. If you lose to San Antonio, you're right. That could be a, a fracture moment. So it's like, I hope it'll be really interesting to see And San Antonio. Like you said, has been playing well lately. So, so that's that game where it's like, that'll be an interesting read on the locker room. Them, them coming out and beating San Antonio would tell us a lot about where this team is in their, in their headspace. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, did you have anything else you want to hit on tonight? Uh, I think that was, I think that was it. Yeah. Jamario, uh, I think I got, I went to Jamario Jones already. Hopefully he plays next game, man. I think we need some just play hard rebounders. I thought he looked good in his minutes late. Uh, but yeah, it's tough for him to come in down, down 20 and Jay Huff, uh, survived, right? Survived the cuts. So hopefully he, <laughs> he can kind of show what he has, but yeah, hopefully we get a win, man. San Antonio just blew out the Clippers. I think who got Paul George back, uh, on the road. Uh, they blew them out by 20 uh, the other game. So they'll be they'll be ready, man. They're good. Deontay Murray, I think, is legit. So they have to be ready to kind of play for that one. Yeah, it's, it's a winnable game, but it's a challenge. It'll be a fun sure. one. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming to hang out. This is going to be on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It will be on our podcast feed here in about a half hour. Uh, as always, we appreciate your support. I'll have uh, some something coming out tomorrow, and then we'll have our typical post-game show on Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your night, and we'll see you guys in a couple days. Happy holidays. Thanks, everyone.